0: In August of 1965, 49-year-old Edward Banish was found murdered in his South Bend, Indiana home by crime detectives. Eight days later, Edward's son, Scott, who'd been a missing person and presumed dead for nearly three months, became the main suspect. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. In the summer of 1965, Scott Banish told his parents he would be heading to the local lake to spend the day swimming. There is nothing unusual about this, so his parents thought nothing of it. However, when Scott didn't come back home that evening, his parents were worried enough to head down to the lake and try to find him. Once his parents arrived at the lake that night, they were met with a strange crime scene that gave them chills. While they found Scott's car with ease, they couldn't locate their missing son. They searched all around the beach and the parking lot, but it was as if he'd vanished into thin air. When they took a closer look at his car, they found that his wallet and his clothes were inside, but it didn't look like he'd been near his car for quite some time. As they ventured out onto the beach for a closer look, they also found Scott's towel and blanket, but there was no evidence to suggest their missing son had been here in several hours. It didn't take long for his parents to call in the help of crime investigators, and police were quick to jump on the case. The parents filed a missing person report, and police began searching the area for clues and contacting any witnesses who may have seen him that day. Their first stop was to check in with Scott's friends and find out if he'd seen any of them before he had gone missing that day several of scott's friends were contacted but the true stories they shared with police didn't really help move the case forward investigators soon learned that several of the friends planned on heading out to the lake that day but everyone cancelled at the last minute because it was simply too cold however it seems that scott decided to continue with his plans anyway Police called in the help of a local dive team who searched the depths of the nearby waters in hopes of finding crime scene evidence of some sort that may help explain this strange disappearance. Unfortunately, they didn't find anything that would lead them in the direction of the missing boy, and police were forced to conclude that Scott had most likely lost his life in the waters that day. No signs of foul play were ever found, and it seems as though this scary event was nothing more than an accident. About two months later, on August 22nd, Scott's parents, Edward and Loretta, were hosting a family game night at their home. Scott's sister was present that evening, as were several family friends. At some point late into the night, Edward decided he was tired and wanted to go upstairs to lay down. He left a group of friends in the basement of the home alongside his wife and daughter and turned in for the evening or so everyone thought a short amount of time passed by and loretta heard a loud thud coming from upstairs she ran upstairs to see what was going on and found her husband standing near the front door of their home looking confused before she could even ask him what was going on a terrifying true crime story unfolded in front of her eyes Her husband dropped to the ground just as a small pool began to form around him. Edward's wallet and his flashlight were lying next to his body when crime scene investigators arrived at the home just minutes later. We don't know exactly how these events unfolded. The true crime reports from the case are a bit difficult to understand. But one of two things seems to have happened here. Either Edward heard something outside and went to investigate, which would explain why he had a flashlight, or someone broke into the home and ambushed Edward. Either way, police found enough evidence at the scene of the crime to conclude that Edward had been overpowered by an unidentified suspect who jabbed him seven times before fleeing the crime scene. Edward had been a lifelong military man, so it seems strange that someone would be able to ambush him so easily, but with no other clues or leads in this mystery, police were left at a dead end. But this is where the case takes a disturbing turn that neither investigators nor the family could have expected. Police explained that they had enough evidence to suggest that Scott, Edward's son, who passed away two months ago, was to blame for his murder. On August 31st, just over a week later, Loretta was called into the police station with investigators saying that they had shocking news that they needed to share with her in person. When she arrived, crime scene investigators took her to a holding room where Loretta learned that her son Scott was alive and well. He had been arrested in Indiana a short while ago and admitted to officers that he had staged a crime scene that his parents had found on the beach several months ago. Scott told police his reasoning behind faking his death had been a relatively simple one. He wanted to join the army. The Banish family were a long time military family and Scott had always dreamed of following in his father's footsteps and joining himself. However, when he attempted to enlist, a medical issue had kept him from being approved. Scott had hoped by faking his death, he could use a fake name to try to enlist one more time. Scott said that he had no idea his father had been murdered. He told investigators for the last two months he'd been employed on a tuna fishing boat out of Oregon. He said that he had used a fake name, Daniel McFarland, but he had paycheck stubs in that name to prove it scott provided the stubs but police were still suspicious of his story scott gave special agents the name of the fishing vessel as well as the name of the captain the captain's wife and the boat's other crew members police contacted the captain of the boat who confirmed that a boy meeting the description of scott and using the false name daniel mcfarland had been employed by him for the last two months He told investigators that Scott worked as a deckhand on the night of Edward's murder, and that they'd been nearly 100 miles off the coast. Scott was initially released after the phone call with the captain, but the local sheriff, William Billy Locks, wasn't completely convinced of his innocence, and the following day, he brought Scott back in for an interrogation. After interrogating Scott for nearly 12 hours and convincing him that they had enough evidence to pin his father's murder on him, including finding forensic evidence on his clothes that matched his father and that Scott had failed a lie detector test, Scott confessed to murdering his dad. Scott was arrested but immediately recanted his confession claiming that he'd been pressured and threatened by the sheriff into believing that he would spend the rest of his life in jail, innocent or not. According to Scott, the sheriff had offered him a deal, confess and get probation for involuntary manslaughter, or go to trial, possibly be convicted of murder, and serve a lifetime sentence. Scott said that due to fear, he confessed to a crime that he didn't commit. The boat captain that Scott claimed to work for, as well as several other crew of the fishing vessel, all testified that on the night of Edward's murder, Scott had indeed been aboard their ship. And he had been every last night for the last two months. The captain's wife also testified that she'd seen Scott aboard her husband's boat and that they hadn't returned to Oregon until August 24th, two days after his father had lost his life. Two more witnesses stepped forward, claiming that they had also seen Scott both the night of Edward's murder and the morning after. They said that they'd responded to assist in helping to repair a maintenance issue on the fishing boat that night. They provided a log of the maintenance that did indeed match the date of Edward's death. This was also what prosecutors and crime scene detectives needed to clear Scott of any involvement. However, the court proceedings still needed to be carried out so that every piece of evidence could be properly evaluated. After an eight-day-long preliminary hearing, including hearing multiple witness testimonies, Scott was released. The case was taken to a grand jury. However, they could find no evidence to suggest that Scott was involved in the crimes against his father. Scott attempted to press charges against the sheriff, as well as six of his deputies, claiming false arrest, false imprisonment, and malicious prosecution. But the courts found probable cause for the arrest because of the forensic evidence found on Scott's genes, the polygraph examiner's findings, and the confession. Scott lost the lawsuit, and a short time later, he and his family moved to Illinois. Scott passed away on December 23rd of 2015. His obituary in Cobb, Illinois, stated that he worked at the Northern Illinois University as an electrical foreman for over 20 years. He was a DeKalb Public Library board member as well. Scott was thankfully able to move on with his life, but his father's murder mystery remains unsolved.